get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Guess what day it is, huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a happy hump day on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman, great to have you with us, and we're all excited, we're all happy. Michelle, it's another great morning in St. Louis. Because the Cardinals have another victory, Randy? Yes. That's two in a row. Two in a row, and three makes it a winning streak. So I'm looking forward to today. Dunctionary day at the ballpark. Uh, the Cardinals facing Sandy Alcantara, but Johanne Oviedo, he's due, isn't he? I would say he is due. So let's get a win for <laughs> Johanne Oviedo. It's going to be a beautiful day. Head on down to the ballpark. There are no restrictions. You can just go down, have a ballpark hot dog, maybe even have some ballpark nachos that uh, have the pulled pork. That would be awesome. And imagine what a great hump day that would be to not only be at the ballpark having a great snack, but to watch the Cardinals win. Cardinals will sweep the Marlins today. You're calling it. Yeah, I'll call it. What the heck? Okay. All right? If they don't, well, I'll feel bad about it. People but, will probably forget. Hey, <laughs> so. stick around until the end, though. That's what you had to do last night because the Cardinals did fall behind early, and KK looked like he was struggling before he turned in a six-inning performance. Michelle, it was a quality start. Six innings, he allowed one earned run. He did walk five, kind of mid-season form for him. Struck out six, but... He gave the Cardinals what they needed. He got them to Cabrera, Gallegos, and Reyes. He absolutely did. He gave them some innings. He battled a lot of some tough spots, and it was great to see him back. And the Cardinals, this is what they need. They need to tread water until they start getting guys like that back. So great first outing back for KK. Miami scores a run in the third inning. Cardinals bounce back with a run in the sixth. An RBI hit by Paul Goldschmidt. Get to the bottom of the ninth. 1-1. Yimmy Garcia on the mound, and Paul Goldschmidt at the plate. The 1-2. And the Cardinals are able to make up some more ground on first place. The Brewers lost to the Reds. The Cubs lost to the Mets. And all of a sudden, you're feeling a little bit better than you did on Sunday night. Good night for the birds all around in the, in the NL Central. And it's amazing what a couple days can do mm-hmm. to the way that you view a team. Not only did the Cardinals get Kim back last night, and you're starting to think that some of these other players are going to return in the next few weeks, but if Goldie and if subsequently Arenado can get going during this stretch where the Cardinals have a favorable schedule, I like their chances a, a heck of a lot more. It's inevitable that Paul Goldschmidt's overall production is going to decrease. That happens to players after their 30th birthday. 
But that being said, I don't think that he's a 245 hitter that's only going to hit 13 home runs for the Cardinals. I, I still think that he's a guy that's going to be a 280 guy that hits 25 home runs. And if he gets hot and he gives you those sorts of numbers from here on in, you'll be in pretty good shape. And obviously, he's a guy that likes to be in those sorts of situations. You know, trying to get something in the middle of the play. Uh, he got ahead and then just two strikes, just trying to put something in play. And luckily was able to get enough of that to get out of here. Goldie with Jim Hayes on Bally Sports Midwest. Meanwhile, he really hasn't been coming through lately. You remember, I told you, I got to start playing better if we want to win some games. And he was able to get a couple hits last night again tonight. And, you know, when you're hitting the middle of the order, when you don't perform like I, you know, haven't done for a lot part of this year, you know, it makes it tough. Luckily, the other guys have picked me up. It's nice to, you know, be able to come through tonight. You always say your best players need to be your best players, and that's never more true than when you're missing key players. So to have Ball Goldschmidt start to ascend is a good thing for the Cardinals. Self-awareness is a really good thing. I couldn't agree more. And he has it, and he and Arenado do need to pick it up. Cardinals will wrap up the series in the brief homestand today, 12-15, as we mentioned, Oviedo against El Contra. And then tomorrow, the Cardinals are in Atlanta, open a four-game series. John Gant, the former Brave, going against Charlie Morton. And the Cardinals will try to pick up a little bit more ground in the National League Central. Meanwhile, as we mentioned, not only did the Cubs lose, but the Brewers lost. The Brewers losing means the Reds won, so they stay a game ahead of the Cardinals. And one of the underrated stories, Michelle, in baseball this year is the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are 20 and 48 on the season. Yikes. They were in San Francisco last night, and they were ahead 7-0 after the second inning. They were ahead 8-0 after the fifth. But, or, or I'm sorry, 7-0 after the top of the second. Giants come back with three in the bottom of the third. And the Giants score four in the eighth inning to beat Arizona 9-8, handing the Diamondbacks their 21st consecutive road loss. That's a, and I'm not even mad, I'm impressed type situation. You almost have to be trying to lose that many games on the road consecutively. It's incredible. <laughs> and you might be wondering, okay, well, when do we get to see this road show that they're featuring in Arizona? Well, you get to see it pretty soon because it's the 28th, 29th, and 30th. So if you want to buy tickets for a Cardinal win, Go to Cardinals.com and get tickets for that series against the Diamondbacks. Starts one week from this coming Monday, and you'll get to see them three times, 7-15, 7-15, and 12-15 on the 30th of June. So you've made two character guarantees during this first segment. Oh, yeah, you get wins against Arizona. That's a given. And then a win today. Yeah, you got to beat the teams that are lesser than you. you got to beat the losing teams. As Coach Vermeil always said, those teams that are down, you got to keep them down. And the Cubs are rolling. You were going to lose some games to the Cubs. You didn't want to get swept, but you did. Cleveland is a really good team. Marlins are down. Got to keep them down. Braves are down. Got to keep them down. And by the way, if you're complaining about the Cardinals not going out and trading for starting pitching, look at Atlanta with their awesome system. And they need to start. They, they've lost their two top young guys, Soroka and Wright, mm-hmm. and they haven't made a trade for a pitcher. And they're worse off than the Cardinals are. Hard to find a starting pitcher. Nobody's trading starting pitching right now. Anyway, then you go to Detroit for two. You get Pittsburgh here. You get Arizona here. So this last couple of weeks of June, the Cardinals have the opportunity to make some hay, and they better. Again, I will repeat, it's amazing what two days and two wins can do for the the way we feel about this team. Because heading into, I guess, what was the the show on Monday? Not feeling that great about the team. No. 
And they haven't gotten healthy yet. KK obviously helps them get healthy, but they'll get healthy too. Last night in the NHL, the Lightning knocked off the Islanders 4-2. That series even at a game apiece and an epic game, Michelle, for Kevin Durant of the Nets as they beat the Bucks 114-108. Durant played every single second of the game. 48 minutes, 49 points in a triple-double. And with a wounded James Harden on the floor and no Kyrie Irving on the floor, you thought, what a great opportunity for Milwaukee to go into Brooklyn and win. But Kevin Durant had other ideas. Yesterday when we talked about this game and the fact that the Nets would be missing Kyrie and likely Harden, this was before we knew that Harden was going to go, we said if Kevin Durant somehow pulls out this win and he doesn't have those two guys and he inevitably wins the series. He has to be in that conversation with LeBron, with Michael Jordan, in that conversation of the best to ever do it. And I think after last night, we need to be having that conversation far far more. No doubt. Now, here's the thing that I wonder is, will Doc Rivers allow him, if they play Philly, which it looks like they're going to do, will Doc Rivers allow him to do what Mike Budenholzer did last night? Giannis Defended him twice in the first half, and Durant was 0 for 2. Otherwise, on the night, everybody else just lit him up. P.J. Tucker, he was 7 of 9 with 17 points against. Tucker was his primary defender on nine occasions. Chris Middleton was his primary defender on six occasions, and Durant was 4 of 6 for 9 points. Uh, Pat Connaughton was his primary defender on two occasions. Durant, two of two with eight points. Obviously, some fouls involved there. Two of two against Brooke Lopez, and then 0 of two against Giannis. You have to put your best defender in the guy who has the best chance to defend him on Kevin Durant, and they didn't. I can't believe that that was the game plan heading into that. Knowing that Harden was going to be limited, knowing that Kyrie wasn't there, you really only had one objective, and that's to stop Kevin Durant at all costs. No doubt. Not only did they do that at the defensive end, or not do that, but then they didn't go at James Harden. James Harden only had to be the primary defender 10 times in the whole night. To me, every time you have the ball, if you're Milwaukee, whoever has the ball in his hands, you just run right past the guy. He couldn't run. From the second he stepped out on the floor, you could tell that he was compromised, that he wasn't going to be playing even close to 100%. I don't even know what we would couch it as, but he was clearly not right. And so, yes, I would be attacking him. If he's vulnerable, I would be attacking him all the time. Many times in sports, people default to blaming the coach just because he's the guy in charge. Even though if you ask them, well, how did he get out coached? They say, well, he he just got out coached. Clearly last night, Budenholzer deserves blame for what the Bucks approach was against Durant and the Nets in general. Absolutely. I don't know if that'll cost him his gig, but it's not great. You better come back and win. That's the thing. You be- now you're down 3-2. You better come back and win the series. But after last night, do you really think that they're capable of doing that? No. I, I don't either. I-, I-, I believe Milwaukee can win at home. And I don't know how, I don't know if Harden is going to get better. We aren't going to see Kyrie again in this series. But if Harden is the same as he was last night, theoretically, if you're Milwaukee, you should be able to win too but not if you do the things you did last night. It wasn't on your players last night. It was on your coach. Can you imagine when they're having the pregame meeting and they're going over strategy and options? Do you think the players were like, what? Yeah, well, or somebody <laughs> should have asked the question. Are we sure, coach, that this is the approach <laughs> we want to take tonight? Yeah. One other fun fact, Michelle, and this is an interesting story that you and I were talking about before we went on the air. They're playing the Euro 2000 tournament, and... 
Portugal won yesterday, and Ronaldo was the, the player of the match. And Coca-Cola is a major sponsor of Euro 2020, and Ronaldo is a healthy living guy. So he gets up to the podium where there's two Coca-Cola cans, or bottles, I guess, and he picks them up and moves them away and holds up a water bottle and says, Water. Within moments, Coca-Cola's stock price dropped by $4 billion. It went from $242 billion worldwide to $238 billion, all on the heels of Ronaldo moving some Coca-Cola off the podium and holding up a water bottle and saying, water. We throw around the term influencer a lot. He is an influencer. Imagine he didn't even really criticize soda or Coca-Cola specifically. He just moved it and said water, and he's able to turn the tide from a financial standpoint that drastically. Imagine having that type of power. Yeah, and they probably should have asked him. A Euro 2020 spokesperson said players are offered water alongside Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola Zero Sugar on arrival at our press conferences. So... He, he could have just said, yeah, I want water. Maybe they should have been more clear. And Euro 2020 said that Coca-Cola, quote, has a long tradition of supporting all sports at its various levels. And part of what makes our tournament what it is, is the sponsorship of companies like Coca-Cola. And they said... With that tradition of supporting all sports at various levels, it has allowed an investment in football at all levels, and we can't do what we do without the companies like Coca-Cola supporting us. So I would think that the Euro 2020 people were probably not very happy by seeing the $4 billion drop for Coca-Cola. No, I'm sure they were not pleased. And imagine how difficult it is to secure those sponsorships, to make sure to get those dollars and maintain those relationships. And that spokesperson is absolutely right. That's the only way you're able to build the tournaments and build the environment that you want in sports is with the help of corporate sponsorships. Yep. But people keep an eye on people like Ronaldo, people like LeBron James, the things that they do, not even necessarily say, the things they do, as you use the word influencer, and there are a lot of social media influencers, those guys, whatever they do, they influence society. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. It is. Yeah, it is. But you have to be responsible with it, with the power. It is, but they're also human beings. And inevitably, you're, I don't even know if you want to call this a slip up, but you're going to just naturally at some point act like you don't have that influence and power mm-hmm. and that every camera is not pointed at you all the time because you're human. And sometimes your guard's going to get let down. And I don't know if this was, maybe he this was intentional from him. I don't know if it was or not, but imagine if you didn't necessarily even mean to do that. It was just something that you, you did naturally and you thought about it. And then you realize that that slight action had a, a big, big, big financial implication. So today is Dunctionary Day at the ballpark. So I'll tell a dunk story. Okay. Early on in Dunk's broadcasting career, Buffalo Wild Wings was one of our biggest sponsors here at the station. And I'm doing a live Buffalo Wild Wings spot and finish up. Hey, head on over to your local Buffalo Wild Wings today. And Dunk, with the microphone still on, I don't know why it was, said, yeah, I like Buffalo Wild Wings, but Mulligan's near me is a lot better. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, God bless Dunk. You kind of have to understand. Where the money's coming from for you. <laughs> Did you have to sit him down afterwards and explain? Yeah, yeah. I, I was flabbergasted. Then we went to a re- recorded commercial. I said, Dunk, 
Buffalo Wild Wings is paying us money. They don't need to hear the Mulligans <laughs> is better than they are. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> it was awesome. He was the best. Dunctionary Day sold out today at the ballpark, and we thank you for being a part of it, and we'll see you over there this afternoon at the ballpark. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It's time for Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. You know, Randy's a little older. And I, I have some wisdom, Michelle. I don't think it's just that I'm older. It's that I, I have paid attention over my many years. And I think that's really the key. I know that Mo likes to say that I'm old and he doesn't think that that's really necessarily something that provides wisdom, but I do feel like I have brought a little wisdom to the table over the years. A little wisdom? Yeah. A lot? I've earned it. I've, well... I've been around, you know? Yeah. And I paid attention. So it's time for Ask Uncle Randy. Text 65780. First one from the 636. Dear Uncle Randy, my Mm -hmm. wife and I recently moved into my dad's while our house is being built. It happens. We'll be here until April. My dad won't let us pay for utility. Wait, 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 wait. So it's June. Yes. July, August, I, September. I will repeat. We will be here until April. March. Nine months. It's a long time. Yeah. Okay. Long Go time. ahead. Sorry. No, you appreciate the math there. My dad won't let us pay for utilities, groceries, or even accept money for rent. He... <laughs> He even has dinner ready every night when we both get home from work. How do we repay his generosity? He won't accept anything from us. I secretly think he's loving this. He is loving it. You're his kid and he wants to take care of you. You're his offspring, not kid anymore, but you'll always be his kid. And what you do is next April, when the house is done, you provide him with a fabulous vacation. And you know what? He obviously likes having you around, and I don't know if your mom is still with us, but have a fabulous fabulous vacation with all four of you. Try to figure out what, over the course of the next nine months, you'll have some conversations. Find out what his dream vacation is and take him on a trip and repay his generosity that way. And there's no way he can say no to that. He's going with you. He's going to be with you. And he'll be able to check off a bucket list item, and he'll be rewarded for his generosity. That's a great idea. Also, to your point about him always being the kid, I'm sure your dad is loving that he gets to spend Mm -hmm. this much time with you. This is time that he never thought he'd have with you under the same roof again, and he's probably really relishing it. Now, let's... Check back in in November. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe then he's tired of it a little, but I'm sure right now it's a great joy for him to wake up or come home and see yep. you and your significant other there. And one other thing, in that he won't allow you to pay for food, once a week or so, either try to take him out for dinner now that we're opened up again and hopefully he's vaccinated and is comfortable getting out into a restaurant, or pick things up, say, Dad, we're going to a restaurant, don't prepare anything, we're going to pick up food and we're going to bring it home. Because we want to treat you tonight. Maybe do that once a week or so. That would be awesome. From the, what a dad, by the way. Yeah, awesome dad. And the fact that the text says, he, I think he's secretly loving this. Oh, yeah. Of course he's, he is. Yeah, absolutely is. 
From the 314, this Randy, you may remember, was a texter last week who said he was into his cycling instructor and wanted to know how to perhaps approach her about a date. Do you remember your advice? I do remember. So you suggested that you talk to her about, or suggest, I should say, getting a smoothie, Mm -hmm. right? So the 314 has followed back up. I like this. I hope I like it. Dear Uncle Randy, she wasn't up for getting a smoothie last week after the cycling class. What's the next play, or do I just leave it? Okay, if she's not up for getting a smoothie after the cycling class, that's not a deal breaker. Michelle, you might need to help me out here. But I think the next play is, okay, she doesn't want to get a smoothie after cycling class. She's been probably through two or three classes. She might be worn out, might be tired, okay? That's fine. I think the next play is you have to ask her out. Say, hey, what are you doing on Friday night or Saturday night? I think she already told you she's not interested by not wanting to go get the smoothie. Yeah, maybe. If if I was tired, I would say, you know what? I've done three classes today. Why don't we do it another time? Okay. You would leave the door open or perhaps funnel the smoothie date into another time. Yeah. If she flat out said no, she's telling you she's not interested. And by the way, there are a lot of people that don't want to mix their job with personal their personal life. Maybe she just has a policy that she doesn't date clients. That's true. Might so, not be you. It might be just her policy. So maybe don't go there anymore and try again. Yeah. But I think she might have. You think that was telling, huh? Yeah, I think she might have told you. Okay. Sorry. Hate to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah. I just know my girlfriends, and if they were interested in somebody, even slightly... They'd keep the door open? They would keep the door open. Okay. Or they would say, hey, here's my number. Text me another time. You wouldn't yeah. just say, I'm good. Okay. Pass. Yeah. Hey, I'm a lot of home. cycling instructors out there, my man. <laughs> and you know what? I'm sure if it was a casual suggestion by you, that it's not awkward. Right. Exactly. Which is great. So you can yeah. still get your fitness in. <laughs> um... From the 636, Dear Uncle Randy, I started 75 hard yesterday. Congrats. Any suggestions on how to get through these hard days when you feel like you're not going to get it done? Michelle might have better (laughs) suggestions. Here is my first suggestion. Fourth of July is going to be really hard for you. Big time. Because it's a food food (laughs) holiday, right? Yeah, and you're going to have barbecues during the summer. Actually, for me... If you're totally committed to this and you can work through your holidays, 4th of July, Labor Day, what it takes is willpower. This is an endurance test. It's a mental toughness test. And you always hear like with alcohol and drug rehabilitation, one day at a time, take it one day at a time. That would be my recommendation is wake up and say, okay, can I do this today? Can I get through today with my diet, with my water, with my exercise, with my reading, uh, without alcohol? Can I get through all of this? Just take one, don't try to take, don't try to eat an elephant in one bite. To eat an elephant, you have to do it one bite at a time. Couple tips for me. Number one, I downloaded the app. It's a 75 hard app and it's essentially just a checklist every day. You have to pay for it. You do, but you're paying for food. You're you're likely paying for workout classes. If this is truly something you want to do, spend the three bucks. It really helped me because it's a checklist every day, and it will send you push notifications on your phone. Have you completed your tasks today? And sometimes you're in bed, and it's 9 o'clock at night, and you'll get the notification on your phone, and you pop out of bed, and you say, I have not taken the photo yet. So it's a nice reminder sometimes when you need it. What if you pop out of bed and you say, I haven't done my outdoor 45-minute workout yet? 
I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning once. Yeah, I did, did. A, Pel- a Peloton ride one time at 11 o'clock at night. As long as it's done before, before you go to bed, it counts. Okay. Um, the other one is I used to schedule it out. I would treat the workouts like a meeting. And I would schedule it in my phone. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I would look at my schedule the day before, see what I had, and I would put it in and schedule it. So if you if you treat it like something you absolutely have to do, it'll be easier. Also, tell your friends to not tempt you. My friends were great. When I would go over mm-hmm. to their house for parties or whatever, they would have non-alcoholic offerings for me. They would have a little um, thing set up with veggies instead of a cheese board. Everybody was really supportive. So have the people around you know what you're doing and support you. Yeah, and it's... It's your diet. There isn't a specific diet. So you don't have to go no pasta or no carbs whatsoever. It's your diet. And if you just reduce your number of uh, calories, your calorie intake, then you're going to be better off. Because if you're burning more with the two workouts you're going to be, and you're eating the same amount of calories, you're not going to lose as fast, but you'll still be better off. From the 636, Randy, who was your first TV crush? Mine was Valerie Bertinelli. Valerie Bertinelli's a great call. I think mine was Farrah Fawcett on Charlie's oh, Angels. Yeah. yeah. Did you have the poster? I certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> you did. Yeah. I did. It was up in my room. Man, was she there, was unbelievable. Was there any other posters in young Randy's realm, or was it exclusively Farrah Fawcett? No, I had a uh, a Dan Deerdorf too. <laughs> yeah. So he wasn't a crush, but he was great, man. So big good, old number 72. Good company. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, but I, I might have had two Farrah Fawcett posters. Like, I think there might have been one, like, just of her, the iconic one, and then another Charlie's Angels poster, maybe, with Jacqueline Smith and Kate Jackson. Google it, kids. <laughs> it is iconic, that poster. Yeah. Absolutely. You great hair. Even, I think, if, if, if somebody had that hair in 2021, I think guys would be attracted to it. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, it's just like Jennifer Aniston and Friends exactly. with the Rachel haircut. Right. Yep. Sometimes the girl does make the hair and not the hair making the girl, yeah. if you know what I mean. Okay, last one, Randy, from the 314. Dear Uncle Randy, I won the gauntlet on the Fastlane Friday. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. What should I wear in my picture on the 101 ESPN website? This is from Derek. All right, so you've won the whole thing. You beat all four. What do you wear for your picture? This is a great question. I don't know if you want to get a t-shirt made that says, I own the fast lane, <laughs> but I think it'd be funny. Or you can maybe just tape a piece of paper on your shirt if you don't want to go out and get it made. Yeah. Or you could hold up the paper maybe in your photo. Yeah, that'd be great. If not, I can just, uh, we, we'll get you a, a t- I think you might win a t-shirt anyway, but yeah, just wear a 101 ESPN t-shirt. Text back in if we don't, if you don't have one, we'll get you one. We'll get your address and stuff. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, to beat all of them? Yeah, to win four in a row. That's very impressive. It really is. and They're smart guys. Well, and the so I can handle hockey. I can handle baseball. I can handle football. But the general knowledge that they do, the meat category, it's really difficult. I can't do that. It is. And you would think all of them are experts in that field, essentially, and you beat them. Yeah. You beat them all. Well, meat is a food expert, but they've kind of changed it now, so it's not just food. It's other weird things. But he's a man of the world. He knows all sorts of things. Yeah, he is. But he got beat. All four of them got beat. That's amazing. That is. 
Phenomenal. Congratulations. Oh, what about this from 636? Wear a ratio t-shirt. Oh, there's the play. <laughs> That's totally the play. That is. The, and if yeah. you don't have that, hit us up. I'm sure we can facilitate that. I think we can. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. Coming up on January or on July 6th, Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady are going to be playing golf together. But there's a lot more that they're doing together. We're going to talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A lot of fun coming out of the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines that starts tomorrow. There was a report early yesterday that Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka were asked if they could be paired together at the U.S. Open. Now, historically, the tradition has been at the U.S. Open that the defending U.S. Open champ, Bryson DeChambeau, in this case, plays with the defending amateur champ and the Masters winner. And as it turns out, that's what's going to happen with DeChambeau. And both he and his representative and Brooks Kepka and his representatives say that they were never asked if they could be paired together for the first and second rounds. But it sure would have been fun and creative. And everybody would have been tuned in. It would have been a ratings monster. There's no doubt about it. And you just hope, don't you, that either on Saturday or on Sunday, those two have to play around against each other? I would love it. Let's let's get them mic'd up. <laughs> There's legitimate hate among those two. Meanwhile, Phil Mickelson won the PGA Championship, and he isn't even considered among the favorites. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the betting money is on John Rahm heading into the U.S. Open. But Mickelson thinks that he can do it, and part of the reason is, He's going to play golf with another champion, Tom Brady, on July 6th. They played in the match before, and Brady had an effect on Phil. So I've been fortunate to spend time with him, and when I'm around him, I learn a lot. I learn a lot by just watching and observing the dedication, the hard work. I mean, when we would go play at Augusta and he'd stay at the cottages, he would be up hours before we'd play. He'd go to the gym and he'd do just a bunch of band work for an hour, just getting his shoulders and his knees and his hips and everything firing and activated. And he's very disciplined in what he eats and, and, and recovery and taking uh, the time to do the right uh, things after the round and, and so forth. And it's inspiring to see because when you see somebody do it and do something, what he's doing, which is play football at the highest level at, a, at an age that really nobody else has ever done it. Uh, it's inspiring and it's motivating. And then when you see it happen, it's much easier to do. He said the word inspiring four different times in that answer. Is there nothing that's not inspiring about Tom Brady, what he's able to accomplish at this point in his career? When you are around him, I'm sure, and you see, like he described, doing band work for an hour to get his hip flexors firing. And when you watch the way that he eats, and by all accounts, it's legit. If you are another athlete, especially an older athlete, and you can take something from it, you do. And Phil Mickelson obviously has. Did you watch Tom versus Time? The doc- yes, uh-huh, yeah. The one takeaway that I got from that, and for those who don't know, that's the uh, documentary docu-series that mm-hmm. chronicled Tom Brady um, and his battle against Time, which he's clearly t- winning to this point. And my one big takeaway from that is that everything in his life revolves around football. He's a dedicated family man, husband, etc. But everyone around him concedes that football at this stage of his life has got to come first and everything that comes with that, whether it's the eating or the workouts or just the way he constructs his day, everything around him falls in line behind what he needs to do to prepare his body to be able to play. And 
I think when it comes to discipline, he's he's the Michael yeah. Jordan well, of discipline. He's the Tom Brady of discipline. I don't know if anyone is more disciplined than he is when it comes to the workouts or, more importantly, the diet, which is a major yeah. key in all of this. And go back to that story that Joe Buck told us about when they were in Vegas for the match last year. It was Mickelson and Brady against Tiger and Manning. And Brady is out sprinting in the parking lot early in the morning and it was Charles Barkley that yelled, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> he said, I'm trying to win Super Bowls, dude. And obviously it worked. It, it it worked his advantage. And then they played that match and Mickelson got something out of that too. So we played really well the back nine. And when we've played, he's he plays a lot better than what you saw in the front. He just hadn't been playing at that time. And so his game wasn't sharp and he just didn't uh, quite have it that day. And it almost made him more human. Uh, because he is, he excels at everything he does. To see him struggle like that was was very humanizing. I thought uh, I thought it was a good thing. And then the back nine, he kind of clutched up and played and hit some shots, and and we made a good move and move at it, and and uh, ended up losing one up. But the way he can mentally slow down when things aren't going well and process it, and then uh, start to perform is is an is another trait that you learn from him. And what did we see from Phil at the PGA? Mentally slowing things down, processing it, and succeeding. If I'm Phil and I'm spending that sort of time with Tom Brady, I'm going to pick his brain on everything. Tell me what you do from a mental standpoint. How, What workouts or stretching or pliability exercises have you done that have benefited you? I, I think every athlete, whether you're Phil's age or you're a rookie who's with the Bucks right now, should be trying to tap into what he's mm-hmm. doing because clearly he's had a lot of success. How many of the Patriots guys, Gronk or Julian Edelman had started, or Danny Amendola even had started doing things that Tom was doing because they saw it was working for them. And how many times have we counted him out simply because of his age and he keeps coming back and winning. And tomorrow, Phil, who, by the way, this week turns 51, he tees off at 9.51 St. Louis time with Andrew Shoffley and Max Homa and everybody's counting him out again. And if he's playing on Sunday, I'm not going to pick him, but I would not be surprised if he's in the hunt on Sunday. And think about somebody like Phil, who is at this stage of his life and who has been a very successful professional athlete, and even he's in awe of Tom Brady. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It is, and it shows you just the the level of dedication and the unrelenting pursuit of greatness that Tom has, and that's why he's he's almost singular in that regard. Mm-hmm. Phil goes tomorrow, and the the U.S. Open starts tomorrow at Torrey Pines in San Diego. We have Adam Wainwright coming up at the top of the hour. But next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. We've got a little game of Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Our text line number 65780 and the text line brought to you by Air Comfort Services. Michelle, Randy, and Emily with you. Michelle, yesterday we learned that Tyler Glass now, starter for the Tampa Bay Rays, has a partially torn UCL, and that usually leads to Tommy John surgery. Glass now, in a press conference talking about it, said, and referring to Major League Baseball's crackdown on foreign and illegal substances, uh, Glass now said, I just threw 80-something pitches and you just told me I can't use anything. I have to change everything. I truly believe 100% that's why I got hurt. I'm frustrated MLB doesn't understand. You can't just tell us to use nothing. It's crazy. Uh, Take it or leave it. He should know the rules that they have told him to use nothing. I'm going to take it, but 
from what we can gather, it seems like this was such an accepted thing throughout baseball that even if it was a rule, it wasn't a rule that was being followed or a rule that was being enforced, I should say. And my suggestion to young Mr. Glass now would be, if you don't want to suffer an injury, follow the rules. <laughs> it is in the rule book. It is. And I, I understand what you're saying is that it's not a rule that has been emphasized by Major League Baseball. Yeah, Major League Baseball is a mess. They've let this thing get out of the bag. But to blame Major League Baseball for your Tommy John surgery is a little bit disingenuous. I mean, a lot of guys have had Tommy John surgery. And I don't think all of those Tommy John surgeries were the result of not substances on the no. ball <laughs> or lack thereof. Um, it's a it's a convenient thing to blame. It really right now. is. Yeah, yes, it is. So. Randy Derek Carr, Raiders quarterback, was talking about how much he loves being a Raider. This guy loves the Raiders. He says, I'd probably quit football if I had to play for somebody else. I'm a Raider for my entire life. I'm going to root for one team for the rest of my life. It's the Raiders. So I just feel like that's so strong in my heart. I don't need a perfect situation to make things right. I'd rather go down with the ship, you know what I'm saying, if I have to. Now, Derek Carr is constantly in the news. There's whispers about him being on the trading block. Take it or leave it. He's going to quit football within the next two seasons. Ooh, good one. I'll take it. He's 30. Yeah, and I'll say that uh, Gruden will move on from him, even though they are next-door neighbors in Vegas. I will say Gruden will move on from him, and he will retire. He plays the game perfectly. When you have the situations with Wilson and Rodgers specifically, and he also said, hey, I signed my name to the piece of paper. I'm committed to that. Mm -hmm. I I signed a contract, and I'm going to live up to it. That makes me, as a fan, really respect him. I respect him, too, but... I also think the Raiders, if given the opportunity, will definitely move on from him. I don't think they're as committed to him as he is to them. If they could have traded him for Russell Wilson or Rodgers, they would have done so in a blink. In a blink. And so if he really would rather quit football than play for another Mm -hmm. team, I'm just wondering how long, how, how long does that carriage until that carriage turns into a pumpkin? Two years is a, is a good time frame. All right. Your texts, Emily, what do you got? From the 217, take it or leave it. Sunscreen and rosin should be legal, and MLB should have waited until the end of the year to implement punishment on pitchers using substances such as Pelican Grip and Spider Tech. I'm going to leave that simply because it really is affecting the action of their sport. If you have a full season where nobody hits, it's going to damage your sport, especially coming off of the pandemic and heading into what will be a contentious collective bargaining session and negotiation. No, I think you have to try to make your sport as good as you can whenever you can. And they should have done it before the season, but no, I, I don't think that they should have just said, yeah, pitchers do whatever you want. And we want the hitters to hit 230. This had already been a conversation that had been brewing for quite some time, but I, I truly believe when Mike Schilt went on his rant about Giovanni Gallegos and his hat being taken away during the game, if you're Major League Baseball and you have a manager calling out this situation saying this is their dirty little secret mm-hmm. and everybody's doing it and everybody knows what's going on, how do you not act after that if you're Major League Baseball coupled with the lack of action and the lack of offense in the game? Yeah, and he had talked to Major League Baseball about it during spring training. Trevor Bauer talked to Major League Baseball about it during spring training. They had plenty of warning that these things were happening. And 
they react to everything. That's one of the bad things about Rob Manfred is whether it's reacting to this crisis or reacting from a COVID standpoint to that or reacting to uh, he, he was the number two guy when the steroid thing happened. They don't do anything proactively in baseball. Everything is reactionary. And it just seems like they never know how to read the room and Mm -hmm. and deal with any of this. Even during the pandemic, not only were they reactionary in so many aspects, but then the main storyline before baseball started back up was about fighting between the the players and the owners. And it just seems like even with this, that they haven't consulted the players and it just seems like kind of a a rush to make something happen. Mm -hmm. And it never feels like baseball does something and the collective, all of us that are either involved in the game or fans of the game say, great move, baseball, great job. And to their credit, by the way, in spring training, there was a memo sent out and nobody paid attention to it because they don't think baseball is going to do anything. And maybe that's one of the other issues is that when maybe they should enforce their rules when they tell you what their rules are going to be. From the 314, take it or leave it, Tom Brady could hit a major league pitch. I'll take it. Oh, I'll definitely take that. Yeah, he was drafted, right, by the Expos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct, yeah, 95. I think he would need, um, what, maybe... A Lombardi trophy to swing? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how long, a half hour in the cage before yeah. something oh, like yeah. that, and that, he'd be yeah. ready to go? I was yep. going to say, that's Gronk, Randy. I know. <laughs> yeah, they've got a dented Lombardi trophy in New England. So cool. From the 314, take it or leave it, the Mets have the best chance to take down the Dodgers in the National League. Even though the Mets have a, a good record now, and DeGrom is unbelievable. By the way, DeGrom has a chance to become the pitcher with the lowest ERA through 150 starts in the live ball era. He has a chance to wow. do that tonight. But... I'm still going to take the Padres. I still think the Padres are a better team than the Dod- or than the Mets are. That was my pick, too. I think it's got to be either the Padres or the Giants. The Giants yeah. are in the mix, yeah. too. The Giants are sure. rolling. I think they all just got to beat each other out. Yeah. From the 636, take it or leave it, we must have, the, we must have Hicks back to make a run at the Central. I'm going to leave that. I do think they will need another pitcher on the staff. I don't know if it'll be Jordan Hicks. They would be a lot better off if they had him, but I don't think they need him to to win the Central. I think they can get by with the pitchers. For example, if they can get a pitcher and move Gant into the pen and he can serve that role, I, I think that that would be good enough in the bullpen. They do, do need another reliable arm in the bullpen, whether it's Hicks or Gant or somebody else. They do. Um, it would be amazing if Hicks came back, but I'm looking at it from a strictly a need standpoint. You need Jack Flaherty. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's to me the number one need. From the 314, take it or leave it, Inside the NBA is the best sports show on television. Take it. Take it without a yeah, doubt. They're, they're fantastic. So entertaining, so good. You, They have the best chemistry, I think, of any show on TV. Yeah. And you have such fun guys at either end with Shaq and Charles. And Kenny Smith does a great job of playing the straight man, and they have a fantastic host in Ernie Johnson. Yeah, it's, it's the best on TV. They, they've done it right at TNT. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up, it's Wednesdays with Wayno with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
NHL Small, and I'm Randy Carricker, and there is a feature in either Us Magazine or People Magazine. It's like uh, there are people just like us or something like that. Stars, they're just like us. Stars, they're just like us. There you go. <laughs> and Adam Wainwright is with us on the Broad and Crouppen Celebrity Line, as he is every Wednesday. It's Wednesdays with Wayno, after all. And it's great to have you with us, sir. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Everything's great. Thanks. And what Randy's alluding to is Adam Wainwright is a star just like us because we were just informed that he's getting his Starbucks order right now. So, Wayno, we need to know, what's your coffee order? You know what? I am not a coffee drinker, but my wife and kids are. Um, I I get the strawberry refresher. (laughs) That's just a really tasty little drink. Um, And they... The, my kids love the banana bread, and uh, my wife gets a decaf almond milk uh, latte or a cappuccino, and uh, and so yeah, I'm just I'm happy wife, happy life. I'm I'm all about that. That's so, the play. I uh, just dropped my kids off at the at the golf course for their little golf uh, league that they're in, and then I'm going to go home and take my wife for coffee and pack up and leave. All right. Hey, Adam, tell us what it's like for you when you step to the plate as a pinch hitter last night and get the standing O. Yeah, that was amazing. That's one of the coolest things ever, man. I'll tell you what. That, they uh, they were just on their feet, and that made me feel so good. And, and uh, you know, I, I love that situation. I mean, I was so comfortable in the box. I just knew I was going to get the job done there. And you know that's a t- we work on that play every single day. The pitchers do. The play the position players don't work on that every day. I mean, I mean, I was as comfortable in that situation as I could possibly be. We we literally work on that every day, and uh, you know I have certain keys I'm watching for the middle infielders when they break to the corners real hard, like they did the first pitch. Then I know the the middle of the infield's wide open, and the third baseman was charging. The first base is charging. And he threw a perfect pitch to do it. But in my mind, right there, I was so locked in on getting a bunt down that I, wa- I was not uh, prepared the first pitch. And I was just reading the situation. You know, you got three pitches to get the job done. And so when they crash like that, if you're not completely comfortable to swing in that situation, you pull it back. And that way you, you read what the infielders do. And that way, if they do it again, then you're ready for it completely. And I, I was ready for it completely, and I got deep. I really did. I, hmm. I, I, I watched the infielders. They crashed just like they did on the, the pitch before. But the third baseman, instead of, which is, which is I read this wrong. Hold on one second. I'm picking this Starbucks order up. No problem. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You have a good day. Um, I, I read this wrong because it doesn't matter what the third baseman's doing right away. If that if those if the middle infielders leave their position like they did, then I have a responsibility to to slash that ball and not bunt. Because if you bunt, you end up doing exactly what I did and bunt into a double play. I mean third baseman the first time through he really crashed hard and he was right on top of me. So if I bunt that at all, it's an easy double play. The second one he kind of held his position just a little bit and kind of crept up on me, and I thought he, I thought he froze, and stayed back. And I read that wrong. The middle infielders leave their position. You have to slash right there, and that was my mistake. He, he put me in a position to succeed. 
I was prepared for it. I know the keys to read, and I read it wrong. I made a mistake. You know, that, that sometimes that happens. So, you know, Cardinal Nation, be mad at me. I'm glad Goldie. But you know what? I did this. I did this because, you know, as an unselfish player, I wanted Goldie to be the hero and not me. <laughs> so, you know, when Goldie gets hot over these next couple weeks and he starts carrying us like crazy like he can do, then you have me to thank, but you know, I'm not doing it for, I'm not, I don't want to do it for the thanks. I'm doing it for the team, you know? Hey, wait, one of the great things about baseball is that you can have a play like that, that takes six, seven seconds from start of pitch to end of play, if that much, but there's so much that goes into it, isn't there? It's, it's amazing the detail with which you described everything that happened. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and, and, and even what seems like the most basic plays. And I can tell you this, as much as we work on it, you know, it's a whole other ballgame getting in there and doing it when when the game is on the line. It's 1-1 in the bottom of the eighth inning, and you got to get the job done. And, you know, I, I executed the, a perfect bunt had they not been crashed and on the wheel play. The wheel play's on. That's a horrible bunt. you got to deaden it as much as you can if you do bunt. So, uh, you know, every there's a lot of – there's a lot of craft that goes into that situation more than just, you know, hey, go get a bunt down. It's super easy, right? When the guy's throwing, you know, 92-mile-an-hour cutters on your hands. Um, it, it can be it can be tough, but it's why we practice. You know, I worked on that all spring training. I worked on it all season long up to that point. And, uh, you know, I failed in a, in a moment of, of uh, a time where a team needed me. And so I, I really took that to heart last night. I was so glad we won, but I watched the replay back like 15 times just uh, because if that situation comes up again, I don't want to go through that same thing. I want to I be able to do the right thing. And, and, you know, learning in the moment is the best way to learn. Sometimes you learn the most through failure also, and that's what I did last night. When I wanted to ask you about Cabrera, Gallegos, and Reyes, they've been so reliable, so effective for the Cardinals this season. I want to know not only what you're seeing out of them this year, but as a starting pitcher, when you put your team in a position to win, it's got to be nice to know that those are the three guys that could potentially follow you. Oh, yeah. You know what we call them, right? No, tell us. What's the name? We call them the Latin Heat. (laughs) I like that. That's awesome. Caliente. (laughs) The, the, when the Latin Heat come in, we feel real good about the situation, you know. And when Cabby and Gio and 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 Alex come in the, at the end of the game, those are three just dynamic arms, lockdown reliever arms in a row. And that's a you know it's a it's a situation where you've seen really successful teams over the last few years. They go out there, if they have the lead after five or six, the game is over. The Royals were like that when they won the World Series. You know, the Cubs had that going on a little bit a few years back. The uh, the Brewers had that a couple years ago where, man, if you were whew, if you were losing after five, you were in trouble because then they had a couple great relievers with multiple innings in them that you knew was going to be really tough scoring. And that's what we have going. You know, we just got to put ourselves in better situations towards the end of the game and we'll get those guys in the game with, with a lead, and it is it is over, man. I tell you what, they are great, great, great. They are so talented. They have big arms. I mean – When's the last time you saw a, your sixth and seventh inning guy come in throwing 100 miles an hour from the left side? I mean, that is just dynamic. So we're lucky to have them. The Latin heat, baby, the Latin heat. <laughs> Adam Wainwright with us on 101 ESPN. It is Wednesdays with Waino. 
Uh, Adam, the, the weather today is not going to be bad. I, I don't know if you're aware of this. When I was younger in college, I was an usher when we had AstroTurf at Bush Stadium. So we'd have these 105, 106-degree days, and then it would be 140 on the field. I remember Bob Sykes, one of the Cardinal pitchers, told me one time that he turned around, he was on the mound, looked at the scoreboard, and it was 2-2 two and two with two outs. He said, I saw two twos. And then two twos and then two twos. He, he saw double vision because it was so hot out there. How do you handle the St. Louis heat when you're playing? Well, I can tell you this. As hot as you think it is here, I can promise you that it is at least as humid and at least as hot in South Georgia. And that's what I grew up playing my entire life. You know, and when, when I was in summer ball through high school, I played on a team called the Savannah Chain. And we had black uniforms. And I mean to tell you, it was it was like, uh, I don't know if it was as bad as playing on AstroTurf at Bush back in the day and with a, with a closed kind of circular park like that on AstroTurf where they said you got to used to have to put your, your, your cleats in ice trays so the, the metal wouldn't go up through the soles. But it sure felt like it. And it was uh, a good trainer for me, you know, in this situation. I feel pretty comfortable. It's <clears> the <throat> same thing. Carlos, yesterday, he goes, Papo is about to get hot. I love it when it's hot. <laughs> and and uh, I'm comfortable in the hot, too, man. I, you know, I just it's what you're used to. Carlos grew up in the Dominican where it gets scorching hot, as everybody probably knows. And uh, we got a couple guys who are, are ready for that. You know, Miles is, is uh, from, from Florida. It gets hot there. It gets hot. Man, I tell you, South Georgia, it's got to be one of the hottest places on earth. Uh, in the summertime, so I'm trained for it. You know, we we got a lot of guys who are trained for it, grew up and playing in the sun, and and uh, you know, it's part of being a professional too. Is is knowing that you're going to play in lots of different situations, lots of different temperatures, lots of different crowd um, crowds that you're going to play in front of, different parks, different rowdinesses, and you just got to you got to show up and be ready to play no matter where you are. Hey, this might be this weekend, your last opportunity, you never know when the last opportunity is, to play in Atlanta. And you grew up a Braves fan. You started in that organization. Does it still hold something for you emotionally when you play in Atlanta and see the Braves jerseys on the other side of the field? Oh, yeah. And especially nowadays, uh, what I get the most kick out of is I got about 20 or 30 friends who have texted me who are going to be at the game or, you know, who are trying to, score some tickets or, you know, trying to get there and then, Hey, we're hey, bueno, let me get some tickets. And then, but you know, they're coming with Braves hats on, you know, so it's it's messed up. I'm like, don't be calling me looking for tickets. If you're going to wear a Braves hat and a Braves, you know, jacket and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, um, I had a, I always make, I always uh, tease my friend about this, but a couple of years ago, friend of mine, I'm pitching in the I was in the NLCS pitching against the pitching at NLDS sorry pitching against the Braves. He goes, man, I have such a such a hard time knowing who I'm supposed to cheer for in this situation. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I'm a Braves fan. I go, let me ask you something. Have you known any of those Braves players your entire life? Did you go to high school with them and middle school with them and elementary school with them? Did you marry one of the, his friends? Like, is that? I mean, is this up for debate? And he's like, man, I feel really bad right now. I'm like, you should feel really bad right now. Let's go. But wait so I like rubbing it in. I like going and, and whooping them and then rubbing that in. And, uh, you know, last a few years ago when we lost in the NLCS, but we beat them in the NLDS, 
that was a big deal for me because it was almost as big a deal as winning the World Series, going home and walking through the neighborhood on Halloween going, hey, did you see that series? Yeah, we were dumb, man. I apologize for that. <laughs> Beautiful. Wayno, you know, though, the connection to that laundry is strong. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, it's hard to break ties, I know. But, you know, these guys, they cheer for the they cheer for the um, Georgia Bulldogs like crazy, the Atlanta Braves like crazy. You can't even believe it. And uh, they asked me a couple years ago when we were playing the Cubs, they are like, hey, aren't you glad the Cubs won the World Series? I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, aren't you glad that the Cubs finally won a World Series after 108 years? I'm like... No, I hope they never win another game in the existence of their being. What are you talking about? And they're like, you don't want them to win. I'm like, do you want the Florida Gators to win a national championship? And they're like, oh, no, man, no way, never again. I'm like, exactly. It's the exact same thing. So there you go. I respect it. Um, Adam, the team's won two in a row. You guys are obviously feeling a little bit better. But prior to that, hit some tough times, dealing with a lot of injuries, weren't playing up to the standards you expect of yourself. But it seems like, especially the past two seasons, any time the team has been in a tough spot like that and you get the ball, you come through for the Cardinals. And I know last season uh, a story was shared with us, with the fans and with the media, that you sent out a text on an important game day that said, I got you guys. When you know that the team needs a pick-me-up, and you go out there for that game. What's your thought process? Yeah, I seemingly uh, respond well to situations like that and to situations like uh, birthdays or or uh, or anniversaries or, you know, my wife's birthday. I hit my first home run, had my first big league win. Um, my birthdays, I usually pitch pretty well on that. My brother's birthday, I usually pitch pretty well on that. My mom's birthday. So I'm always looking for some sort of incentive to get me even more fired up, um, which could be a problem because I should already be as fired up as you could get. But I seem to respond even better when I have uh, a little extra incentive out there. So, um, yeah, there's times like that. I mean, last year, you know, my birthday was the next day, and we had uh, just had a hard, you know, a hard go of things. A um, couple of short starts, a couple of guys beat up. And I'm like, yeah, I got this, man. Like, I knew I was going nine, you know, and that happened a couple of times earlier this year, too, where I was like, dude, I got this. Don't even worry about it, man. Just show up. I look at Alex Reyes. I said, hey, take tomorrow off. I got you, buddy. <laughs> That's beautiful. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun thing to be able to, to, to say that and really believe it, you know, and, and, uh, and luckily, you know, it seems to work out most of the time. We'll just keep doing it couple more things with Adam Wainwright. Number one, Adam, you were open with us last week about trying the stick'em and not liking it last year, and then you were quite open about it after your start on Monday night. I, I want to know what you think, though, of the memo that came out yesterday. Tyler Glass, now I don't know if you saw it, he has a partial UCL tear and blamed the fact that he, had, he doesn't have, didn't use the substance. He said it changed the way he pitches. How do you think this will play out? Are you concerned about the health of pitchers without being able to use a substance? Well, I, I think, unfortunately, there's going to be some people who, in this game who have grown up uh, pitching the last few years and they're kind of new in this game that have never learned how to pitch without it. And it's going to be a real learning experience for them uh, because when you use that sticky, really sticky stuff, it changes your arm swing. It changes where your uh, delivery is. Um, it changes uh, especially your especially release point. You know, because at one time you got 
this super tacky stuff on where if you throw it the exact same way, it, it might go, you know, two feet lower into the dirt. And and the other one, if you got nothing on, now you're looking – and I, I'll just tell you this. The baseballs now are so much slicker than they ever have been, it's not even close. I mean, that, so that is, that is one thing where some of these young guys who um, – have used it their whole careers. They're going to have a hard time because we're, we're, we're literally pitching with these weird chalky cue balls out there. Now the themes are much lower than minor league balls. They're, they're uh, much wound their talent. They're wound way tighter. And, uh, they're, they've got this weird rub on them that they didn't used to have on them. And, and it's just a fact I've been in this game for a long time. And I can tell you the belt, the balls have changed like five times. So in one regard, uh, I find that the the sticky stuff just out of control. You've got to get out of the con- but but I also feel like it's a really weird thing that they keep changing the balls on the pitchers and expecting them to just go out and do the same things. Now it's not an excuse to use uh, sticky stuff on the ball, but pitchers are, are have made uh, they've made adjustments because the league keeps adjusting the ball. I mean, it, what other sport do you have where they just keep changing the, the main part of the game over and over again? I mean, the NFL has the same ball every year. You know, whether there's enough air in it or not, I'm not <laughs> say. But they use the same footballs. They use the same footballs. They don't say, hey, this year we, uh, we wound them three times tighter and we're going to see how they slide differently. Can you imagine? I mean, Aaron Rodgers has, has got, you know, Adams streaking down the sideline, but he overthrows him by five yards because the ball, the league just tried to change the ball out of nowhere. I mean, that's what that's what's happened. It's a really weird thing. They keep changing these balls. It's, a, you know, it, it really is. Um, so that's 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 an ex, it, it may be an excuse for for the pitchers, but you know, in other ways, um, this is a rule. You know, the the rule is you're not supposed to have any foreign substances on your hand when you pitch. So, you know, they're finally enforcing that rule. Then, you know, we have to apply by that. That's fine. But guys are going to have to make some adjustments. The guys who have never used, uh, who have never pitched without it are going to have a hard time. Do you think offense will increase? Who knows? They might move the fences back. You never know. I mean, <laughs> right. you, know, I mean you never know what these guys are going to do. They, they change so many things. You got the DH, you don't have the DH. You got a starting a runner on second base. You got it, some leagues now that they've moved the mound back. I'm like, guys, let's just play the game of baseball with the same stinking baseball. I really don't understand why we have different baseballs in the minor leagues and in the big leagues. Like there should just be a standard professional baseball that guys play with and you can get used to it. I don't understand why there's different leagues. There's a different, there's a different ball in every league you go to. It's the most interesting thing. And, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me, but I, I'm just an employee, and I'll just show up and be ready to pitch. I'll be a professional and use whatever they give me to throw, and and uh, we'll we'll try to get some outs with it. We know how proud you are of being a dad. Father's Day coming up on Sunday, and you, you've been a dad for a while now. But with, with five kids, what does Father's Day mean to you? Well, I'm lucky to have five of the greatest kids in the world. Um, one of my one of my greatest kids in the world is sitting right here in front of me, drinking her little Starbucks, eating her little eating her little banana bread. Got all dressed up for golf. Um, but being a father is one of the most important jobs in the whole world. It's, uh, it really is. I mean, if you there's no denying if you look at the stats and on uh, families who have dad at home, man, they just a lot of good things happening from that. And and being a dad is a is a is one of the greatest blessings in the world too. Is just 
no greater love than looking at your your wife and and kids and watching them grow up and hopefully rearing them up the right way and in the ways of that kids are supposed to go out into the world and become great adults and and helping them get that and watching them achieve their goals and watching them you know maybe if they got a little singing lesson or something they'd like to do <laughs> um but it's it's funny because you know what's different is is or cool is each kid that I've had, I've got five of them. They've all been unique and different right away. You know, when they're they're six months old, that they're different than the one that came out before them. And and uh, it's just so fun watching them blossom into little people, you know, and 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 uh, big people nowadays for me. So it's it's just a great responsibility. I love being a dad. It's one of my favorite things in the world. And uh, there's no better there's no better hugs than than kids give to. Those, those are the best hugs around. And uh, last but certainly not least, we need to ask about what's going on with Big League Impact. We know we've got the trivia night coming up, and your teammates are really chi- chipping in for the trivia night. It's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. And uh, with with the Series 6 shirts, too, um, and along with our trivia night, we've got a couple of really great opportunities to partner with uh, some great organizations in the city. We're going to be... Um, working with the Public Schools Foundation. We're going to be working with Crisis Aid. We're going to be working with um, Operation Food Search, feeding kids all throughout the city with those organizations, um, helping to provide through Tommy Edmonds' program. We're going to be helping to provide um, lots of things for the, the public schools. These kids, just they some of these schools, they need help. And so, you know, with our shirts, with our trivia night, you can still sign up. On bigleagueimpact.org, uh, there's a there's a uh, a link that you can go to on the Series Six website to check out the new Uncle Charlie shirts that we have, the Series Six, um, that are supporting all those great local charities. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to make a difference here in the city. We, we there's this city is amazing. This city is so charitable and supports us in every single way possible. And and uh, we've come up with some fun, unique ways to uh, to help the, our mission in the city. So um, you can join us on bigleagueimpact.org. Uh, check out everything we've got going. If you want to partner in with us, you know, there's a donate now button now. There's there's a, 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 a telephone number you can call and see how you can help in lots of different ways. So um, we, we'd love and appreciate any help we can get. And Adam, Michelle is from here. She grew up in St. Louis. I grew up in St. Louis. Emily grew up in St. Louis. So your love for and support of this city it does not go unnoticed by us or anybody listening. We appreciate you as a human being for what you do for St. Louis, for the Cardinals, and, and for us every week. We really do appreciate it. Go get a win today. Have fun in Atlanta, and happy Father's Day. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Wayno. Take care. That is Adam Wainwright. That is Wednesdays with Wayno. And Chick-fil-A is a proud sponsor of Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. Don't forget, Wednesdays, you should stop by your local Chick-fil-A and enjoy a nice cold Sunjoy. Chick-fil-A donating a portion of the proceeds of Sunjoy Wednesdays to support big league impact through the baseball regular season. By the way, Sunjoy is their new name for their Arnold Palmer drink, half lemonade half iced tea, which Wayno absolutely loves. And we've had it here in studio. It's delicious. It's fantastic. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we will get to the fight. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue
It's Karen Smallman here on 101 ESPN, and it is time for the fight. Michael is going to challenge Randy today. What's up, Michael? How you doing? Michelle, 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 how are we? Ready to go. Michael, appreciate your energy this morning. Hey, I have to match the energy for my buddy Alex on Monday. You guys took him down on Monday. I can't let that happen today. So, Michael, I was actually on vacation Monday. I was flying back from Wyoming, so I missed the fight. But I'm assuming that your friend, even if he had high energy, did not beat Randy. That's correct. You are correct. This is the revenge tour. We come back for vengeance, and now I'm ready to take on Randy today. Wow. I appreciate you riding so hard for your friend, Michael. Good luck today, okay? Thanks, Michelle. I appreciate it. Hey, just a little quick little promo. I was down at the Missouri Athletic Club today, your favorite spot. Oh, love that. Tell all my people there I said hello. Love the, the Absolutely. MAC. Are you at the downtown clubhouse? You bet. Oh. Absolutely. Got a little workout in there this morning, a little steam, and now we're ready to get the mind going. Oh, my gosh. It's the best spot. You know what? You might see me there later because I'll be going to the ballpark, and there's no better place to go downtown on a game day than the Missouri Athletic Club. Couldn't agree more. Maybe I'll see you down there for a drink. All right. See you then. All right, Michael. Here we go. Question number one. Tommy Edmond was scratched from the lineup last night with right trunk tightness. Where did Tommy Edmond play his college baseball? Was it Stanford, USC, or UCLA? Hmm. Let's go with Stanford. Katie put up a monster triple-double last night with 49 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists as the Nets took the series lead three games to two over the Bucks. Which team drafted Durant in the 2007 NBA draft second overall? Was it Ooh, this- try to get a little tricky on me there. Seattle Supersonics. Oh. You don't even need the choices, all right? Okay. Yes. Michael knows what's up. All okay, right. Okay. Question number three. You came out hot, Michael. I got to tell you, I'm impressed. Okay. <laughs> Question number three. Today is 101 ESPN's Dunctionary Day at Ballpark Village. Can't wait to celebrate our friend Chris Duncan. He played for the Cardinals organization from 2005 until 2009 until he was traded to which team? The Washington Nationals, the Boston Red Sox, or the Tampa Bay Rays? If I recall correctly... Oh, go with the Nationals. And 22-year-old Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has 22 home runs, and 22-year-old Fernando Tatis Jr. has 20 home runs this season. Who is the youngest Cardinal to hit a home run this year? Is it Dylan Carlson, Edmundo Sosa, or Jack Flaherty? Hmm. Um... I get those choices one more time. Yes, your choices are Dylan Carlson, Edmundo Sosa, or Jack Flaherty. Let's go with Sosa. Okay, checking our score here. Randy's on his way in. Michael, how do you feel? Uh, I feel good. I don't feel good about the last two. I feel good about the first two. Okay, okay. Randy, as you're getting settled in, say hello to Michael. Good to have Michael on the show. Thank you very much for listening, sir, and thanks for participating. How's your day going? Good, Randy. How are you today? Great, you, thanks. Uh, good. We took down my friend Alex on Monday. We came back for revenge. Uh, okay, I, I like to hear that. That's uh, I, I like somebody who avenges the defeat of a friend, or at least tries to avenge the defeat of at a friend. At least tries. We'll see how we did today. Yeah. Yeah, so what happens, Randy, if you take down both friends? You're the villain? Yes, big time. <laughs> big time villain. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Go ahead, Michael. What were you going to say? 
I said maybe then me and Alex come on the show together and see if we could double team him, him down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I still don't even know if that would work, Michael. He's he's mega mind for a reason. <laughs> Question number one, Randy. Tommy Edmond was scratched from the lineup last night with right trunk tightness. Where did Tommy Edmond play college baseball? First of all, doesn't right trunk tightness sound like an oblique injury to you? It does, yeah. <laughs> it does. Uh, he was a Stanford Cardinal. KD put up a monster triple-double last night with 49 points, 17 rebounds, and 10 assists as the Nets took the series lead three games to two over the Bucks. Which team drafted KD in the 2007 NBA draft second overall? The Seattle Supersonics did. Randy, as you know, because you're going to be down there, today is 101 ESPN's Dunctionary Day at Ballpark Village. Mm-hmm. Our friend Chris Duncan played for the Cardinals from 2005 to 2009 until he was traded to which organization? The uh, Boston Red Sox was in a bad hotel in Pawtucket. And the 22-year-old Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has 22 home runs, and 22-year-old Fernando Tatis Jr. has 20 home runs this season. Who is the youngest Cardinal to hit a home run this season? Youngest Cardinal to hit a home run. I'm going to say Dylan Carlson. Emily, ring that bell. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Michael, are there any other guys in the squad that Randy can beat? Because you're 0 for 2 right now against him. I'm sorry. He came out, got the jack. He got all four correct. He beat you 4 to 2. Yeah, Randy, I got tip the cap to my man. That's why you're the king, God Almighty. (laughs) I appreciate that very much. Thank you. But you did get two correct, Michael. You got number one and two correct. Um, Tommy Edmond, he played college baseball at Stanford. The Seattle Supersonics, which, of course, is now the Oklahoma City Thunder, they drafted Kevin Durant in the 2007 NBA draft, second overall. After Chris Duncan played for the Cardinals, he was traded to the Boston Red Sox. And the youngest Cardinal to hit a home run this year is Dylan Carlson. He's 22 years old. His, do you know his birthday? I do not. October 23rd, 1998. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. He was born after my daughter. Wow. And my son, obviously. He is young. Michael, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for playing, and have a great day. Enjoy the MAC. Thank you. You guys, too. Have a great one. All right. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. A couple of things, by the way. Uh, We appreciate everybody who has participated in and bought tickets for Dunctionary Day. It's sold out today at Ballpark Village. That's going to be a lot of fun. And, Michelle, if people want to come out and see me on Friday, I'm going to be, like, all over the place. So you can join me at Rally House in Chesterfield from noon to 2. Obviously, with Father's Day coming up, Rally House has everything you need for the perfect Father's Day gift. And the first 100 people that stop by and tell me the password, which is MVP, they'll get a $10 Rally House gift card free. That's this Friday, noon to 2, with me at the Rally House in Chesterfield. Oh, my gosh. If you need something for your dad, head out there. Not only can you see Randy and maybe get something signed for your dad, you can get him a great piece of gear and $10 off. Yeah, I'll awesome. be happy to sign stuff. That'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be good. Be great. And then on Friday night, I'm going to head over to Grant's Farm. 
because I'm going to join Schnooks and Folds of Honor for a special Friday night at the farm starting at 6. VIP, VIP tickets on sale now. That includes a live Jumbotron broadcast of the Cards-Braves game. They're going to have food stations, signature Schnooks items, and specialty drinks, plus special giveaways. Cards alumni are going to be there, autograph signings and more. The VIP tickets are 25 bucks a person with the full, the full amount being donated to Folds of Honor, which provide scholarships for the the kids and spouses of people that were lost in the line of duty in the U.S. military. You can get more details on Friday night's Night at the Farm with Schnooks and me now at 101ESPN.com. Love to have you join me at both spots at Rally House from noon to 2 and then Friday night at 6 at Grant's Farm for a Night at the Farm. And maybe they'll even let you pet a Clydesdale. I don't know. Really? I've petted. I have a photo of me petting a Clydesdale. When I was at Grant's farm one time. Is there an animal that is more glorious or regal than a Clydesdale? Regal, majestic, great words. No, there is not. They're unbelievable. And that's one of the, maybe that's what makes opening day at the ballpark. Tony always said that the highlight for him was the Clydesdales. Tony Larusa, an avowed animal lover, said that was what made opening day for him. I would say it's the Red Jackets and it's the Clydesdales. It's twofold. Yeah, it's amazing. And they would bring them down. Heck, they had them out for the Stanley Cup playoffs. They had them out when the Rams were in the in, in the playoffs back in 99 and 2001. Just having them down ar- around downtown and hanging out is pretty cool. You know, it's a special day if the Clydesdales are involved. Yeah. And one of the things I like to do, Michelle, there's a great trail, Grant's Trail in South County, where you can ride right behind Grant's farm and you see the Clydesdales out there in their fields. That's so cool. It's a lot of fun. It's a great bicycle trail or a great walking trail if you want to do it sometime. Coming up, the Cardinals knocked off the Marlins 2-1, and they've won two in a row. They can try to put together a winning streak today. We'll tell you how they can do it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs) Michelle, the Cardinals are going to send Johan Oviedo, who has yet to win a major league start. He'll go against the former Cardinal Sandy Alcantara today. And Alcantara has been fantastic lately. As a matter of fact, he has three starts in June. His record is 2-1 and one with a 3.15 ERA. In 20 innings, he has struck out 16 and walked only four. That's something the Cardinals could use. Yes, absolutely. So he'll have his hands full. And you asked Adam last week his favorite pitchers to watch in Major League Baseball. And Adam Wainwright said Sandy Alcantara is one of the two because of the changeup that he possesses, that Alcantara possesses. So the Cardinals will have their hands full. And obviously, they're going to need... Oviedo to step up big time because you would figure they aren't going to score a ton of runs today. You would think so. And it's good to see Goldie getting hot again. The Cardinals are absolutely going to need that. But I wonder if Sandy Alcantara has that chip on his shoulder today going against his former team. Not that it wouldn't be a challenge for the Cardinals anyway, but especially after we just spoke to Adam Wainwright last segment and he talked to us about pitchers getting that little extra motivation, that extra incentive sometimes that allows them to go out there and and excel just a little bit more. I wonder if Sandy Alcantara has that in him today. He, he very well could. And if there is such thing as momentum, I know the old baseball adage is momentum is as strong as your next day's starting pitcher. But the Cardinals winning in dramatic fashion 
on Monday night with the Tyler O'Neill double, winning in dramatic fashion last night with the Goldschmidt homer to walk things off in the bottom of the ninth. I would think that, especially in the late innings, with the bullpen and with the way the Cardinals have won the last couple of games, they'll have to feel pretty good unless they're down something like 5-1 in the eighth. So O'Neill was the hero. Goldie was the hero. You know who I feel like is due is Nolan Arnato. He needs to become the hero, no doubt about it. And He's capable. We, we know because we've seen it. He's just had a rough go of it, especially in clutch situations. He has not performed well lately in clutch situations, but he's going to turn it around. You know that Goldschmidt is going to put up his numbers at some point. You know that Arnauto is going to put up his numbers at some point, and it would be a, a great move for the Cardinals today to be able to get him going heading into Atlanta for a four-game series. Because even though Atlanta is down a couple of starting pitchers, and yes, they do have a losing record, they have a great offense, and you still have to score runs against them. So you called in the show earlier that the Cardinals were going to get the win today. They were going to get the sweep. Mm -hmm. Should I call that Nolan Arnott is going to be the hero? Yeah, I like that. Okay, I like that idea. Two guarantees here on Carriker and Smallman. And the Marlins... They play good, clean baseball. The difference between the Marlins and the Cardinals is that the Marlins don't have the star power that the Cardinals do. Actually, if you take away the stars, Arnato, Goldschmidt, Yachty, Wayno, the teams are actually built very similarly. But the Cardinals have the guys that have done it before. And that's what Miami needs to do with Derek Jeter in charge. And Craig Mish told us the other day, they seem to want to spend money now to supplement their young players. It's kind of amazing that you say the Marlins don't have any stars. And at one point they had Stan, they had Yelich, they had Osuna, right. And now they're a team devoid of stars when they had three pretty big ones. Yeah, and last night, Dan and Brad were talking about the loss of Jose Fernandez. Oh, yeah. I wonder how much that changed their franchise. If you have that number one, number one. This is a guy that was going to start all-star games. He he was one of the two or three best starters in the league when he passed away. And if you have him, if you have that number one star as a starter and that number one star, you had the MVP in Stanton, in addition to the other guys you mentioned, that franchise could have been very close to being very good. And the, the death of Fernandez just devastated their franchise. It really did. And there's obviously some parallels there here in St. Mm-hmm. Louis with the tragic passing of Oscar Tavares. And obviously the Cardinals have been able to have success despite losing who was supposed to be the, the future foundation of their franchise in Oscar Tavares. There was ripple effects from that loss that lasted for years. You could argue some of the moves that are even being made now are still after effects or aftershocks of that. So when you lose a major piece of your franchise that you were projecting to build around for a long time, it alters every plan you have. Well, when you, when you consider, Michelle, that at the end of that 2014 season, the Cardinals expected that... Tavares was going to be their number three hitter for the next five or six years, and that Alan Craig was going to be their number four hitter for the next five or six years. And Craig never bounces. This was at the end of 2013 that they expected that. Obviously, they traded Craig during the 14 season. But they they had high expectations for those two middle-of-the-lineup hitters. And when you think about the trade that the Cardinals made for Hayward, the trade that they made for Marcel Ozuna, the people that they've... Tyler O'Neill, that was a trade that was made in a in part to get a middle of the order bat because mm-hmm. you missed out on those other guys. 
they have made so many moves and given up so many prospects and tried so many things to try to fix that hole that wasn't supposed to be there from 2015 through 2019. It's actually kind of remarkable that the Cardinals have been able to have the success they've had when they lost Albert Pujols and then they lost the person who was supposed to be the next Albert Pujols. How many franchises could have the success that the Cardinals have had after absorbing both of those losses? Yeah, It's a really difficult thing to overcome and the Marlins are in different ways are dealing with the same thing because they don't spend to make up for it. But what it did cause the Cardinals to do was scramble for a long time and they really did. Obviously, you don't make up for that loss. But like you said, whether it was going to be the next Pujols, I was told, think a left-handed Vladimir Guerrero. They were they were thinking it was a Hall of Fame talent. And it changed a lot of things for the franchise. And I'm like you. I think they're just coming out of it. And they've never developed. A, I guess Carlson would be the closest thing mm-hmm. coming up in 2020 that they have developed to Oscar Tavares, who came up in 2014. He's the prospect that I've... The Cardinals talked about Oscar Tavares so much. It was like he was here even when he wasn't here. You know, before he even mm-hmm. got promoted to the to the Major League Club, you heard so much about him. He His presence was always felt there. And I felt the same way about Dylan Carlson. I had never heard about a prospect as much as I had heard about Oscar Tavares until Dylan Carlson came along. And the way that the Cardinals were so bullish on him. When, when John Mosalek says another team would have to pry him from my cold, mm-hmm. dead hands, you know how much they believe in him him so yeah and what and what's that time span between Carlson and Tavares it's almost 10 years yeah well the end of the 14 season till the start of the 20 season okay so is, is what you're looking at so absolutely that that had an impact and same thing with the with the Marlins so now we look at the Cardinals going forward coming out of the losing streak and I, I mentioned the other day and I don't want to overstate this because you can't compare what the Dodgers have had over the last five years to what the Cardinals have had. But the Dodgers did have a run on a World Series team where they lost 16 to 17 and then started playing well again and went to the World Series. They had another team where they lost 7 of 9, they they lost 8 of 9, and they lost 9 of 10. Three different streaks like that during a season where they still went to the World Series. The Cardinals are not as bad as they have shown themselves to be with the injuries over the last two and a half weeks. They might not be as good as the eight over they were three weeks ago, but I do think they're closer to being that good team when they're healthy than the bad team that we saw losing, getting swept by the Cubs and losing two of three to the Dodgers and and losing the getting swept by the Reds. I don't think that's the real Cardinals. And I think as guys get healthy, KK back, DeYoung back. Hopefully, you'll get Harrison Bader back sooner rather than later. I think the Cardinals are closer to a playoff team than a fourth place team. Prior to Monday, what did they lose? Nine out of their last ten? Yeah. I would imagine that that's the low point, the rock bottom of the season. Wouldn't you agree? I hope so. You certainly hope that's the, <laughs> la- that's the rock bottom of the season. But that means that hopefully there's only up to go from there. And I'm with you. I think that not only is the pitching and the fun to, the fundamentals better. Hopefully the offense is better. And then you add the fact that you're going to be getting a lot of guys healthy. I think that this, this team is obviously much better than we saw over the past few weeks. Now, even though they're better than what we've seen over the last few weeks. So I, I think they're closer. I think they're better than the Reds. I think they're close to the Cubs. But they are going to play the Giants 
right around the 4th of July. And then the Giants will be here later in July. They still have the Dodgers coming to town. They still have games against the Padres here. And they really haven't seen an awful lot of the East, where the Mets now have a great record. They have seen the Mets already, but they still have to go to New York. I don't think the Cardinals are as good as those teams. So this stretch has to be one where the Cardinals take advantage of the schedule. Marlins at Atlanta and the Braves are struggling, but then you get one of the worst teams in the American League in Detroit. You get one of the worst teams in the National League in Pittsburgh. The Diamondbacks we mentioned earlier in the show, if you haven't heard it, they've lost 21 in a row on the road, and they're here in town on the 28th, 29th, and 30th. So the Cardinals... If they're going to succeed and get closer to the Cubs in the second half of the season, they have to take advantage of this soft spot in their schedule. By the way, after Arizona here, they go to Colorado for four before the Giants visiting the Giants. So the next, today is the 16th. The next three weeks will tell you whether or not the Cardinals are going to be able to be in the hunt after the All-Star break. You need to feast while you can. Yeah, you can't play 500 against these teams. No, absolutely not. And I wonder when they emerge from this stretch on July 5th, that's when they play the Giants for the first of three. You're heading into the All-Star break with three versus the Giants and three versus the Cubs. And I wonder what their record will be at that point or what the record needs to be at that point for John Moselec to feel comfortable enough to go out and make a move. I'm going to, I'm not going to go by record. I'm going to go by standing. Okay. And we don't know what the Cubs obviously or the Brewers are going to do. Right now the Cardinals are within four. I think they need to, if we get to the deadline and you have two months left in the season and you're within four, you should be buying. If there is something to buy at a reasonable price. See, and I wonder if those final six games are going to be the indicator because if I'm looking at this stretch where they're beating lesser teams that they should beat, I don't know if that necessarily tells me what I need to know about this team and whether I need to go out and because you're likely going to have to spend high to get a player Mm -hmm. that you want right now because so many players are injured and especially pitching is at a premium. If I'm the Cardinals, I really need to be self-aware enough on the status of this team. If I think they're good enough to not only make the playoffs, but make a run. And if I don't think that, and I think that we're going to win in 2022, I'm going to be a little bit more conservative with my moves. You'll also have more clarity at that point on July 13th as to when Flaherty is going to be back. Great point. And if you have him coming back after the break, that changes the outlook of your team. By the way, Michelle, it's you mentioned the three against the Giants at San Francisco, three at Chicago going into the break. Then coming out of the break, you've got four against or three against the Giants here and four against the Cubs here. So you've got those two teams that will probably define your season right around the All-Star break. So savor this stretch while you can, Cardinals. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, baseball has had some unbelievable reaction to their foreign substance memo yesterday, including one guy who's blaming baseball for his injury. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's 9.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker with you. And yesterday, Major League Baseball did release their memo to players and management about 
the use of foreign substances by pitchers, and pitchers will be ejected and suspended for 10 games for using illegal foreign substances. The commissioner's office said that major and minor league umpires will start regular checks of all pitchers, even if opposing managers don't request inspections. Umpires will perform period checks of all starting and relief pitchers on both teams throughout each game. Starters will be subject to more than one mandatory check each game, and relief pitchers will be checked once they conclude an inning in which they entered a game or when they are removed from a game. It's going to take more time. This is like Naked Gun. This is like Enrico Palazzo taking a look at, at, at pitchers. It's it's overboard, isn't it? It feels very overboard. And also, you're going to check them, but it doesn't really say what exactly you're going to be looking for and what things are are certainly off limits and what are not. And the, the thing with rosin is, is the part of this that really confuses me. Because it's always been allowed, right? Yes. And even the hitters will tell you that the the combination of rosin and sunscreen is basically perfect for what a pitcher should have. Now, the spider tack, that's a different thing altogether, and that increases spin rate and, and changes the complexion of the game. The, your competitive integrity is impugned when you have the spider tack or you have the stuff that Bubba Harkins made with, with the Angels in the Angels clubhouse and spread around baseball. I don't believe, Michelle, that the competitive integrity of the game is affected by the combination of rosin and sunscreen. And nobody, whether it's the hitters, the pitchers, Mike Schilt said, hey, I, I got a guy that's concerned about melanoma. He put sunscreen on his arm. Right. I don't think that that is a big deal. The spider tack is a big deal. I, I hope that there is logic applied when these searches are performed. Yeah, rosin is still going to be there. They're going to inspect the bags to make sure they're standard. And they're encouraging pitchers not to use sunscreen after sunset and outdoor stadiums. How many games in the summertime is it's sunlight when the game starts and then the sun sets exactly. throughout the game? So what are they supposed to do? Not use sunscreen or wipe it off? Take a shower? Yeah, what are they supposed <laughs> to do? It just seems like they're taking this so far left. And the spider tech stuff, have you watched videos of this? this, mm-hmm. it's very obvious. It's very sticky. You would think that that should be what they're enforcing or there there's a certain degree of stickiness that they're looking for. I just think trying to police sunscreen and rosin, which is something that has been allowed and that both things individually are still going to be allowed, is going to be a futile task for Major League Baseball. Now, yesterday, the Tampa Bay Rays announced that their right-hander and their best pitcher, so best team, best pitcher, Tyler Glass now, has has a partially torn UCL and he spoke to the media after that diagnosis and talked about why he got hurt whole day yesterday I'm sitting there trying to get a grip on a ball and I'm not trying to blame anyone I'm not trying to say like oh this is all MLB's fault like they got thrown into the situation too they're doing the best they possibly can to navigate around this they're trying to make this fair for people I understand that but you can't whether you want us to not use sticky stuff or not is 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 fine. Fine. Do it in the offseason. Give us a chance to adjust to it. But I just threw 80-something, 70-whatever innings, and then you just told me I can't use anything in the middle of the year. I had to change everything I've been doing the entire season, everything out of the window. I have to start doing something completely new. And then I'm telling you, I truly believe that's why I got hurt. Me throwing 100 and being 6'7 is why I got hurt, but that contributed. And so I'm, I'm just frustrated that, like, they don't understand – 
how hard it is to pitch one, but to tell us to do something completely different in the middle of a season is insane. I just don't, it's, it's ridiculous. There has to be some give and take here. You can't just take away everything and not add something. Pitchers need to be able to have some sort of control or some sort of grip on the ball. And I, I just don't want things like this to happen to somebody else. I don't want a fastball to sail away and hit somebody in the face like it already has. So I just think like, I understand you need to take an aggressive approach here, but like, I just think people are going about it all wrong. And I'm sitting here, my lifelong dream. I want to go out and win a Cy Young. I want to be an all-star. And then now it's all just on because I like now it's over and I can't, I, and now I have to try and rehab to come back in the playoffs. So I'm clearly frustrated. It's just, I think there needs to be a lot more, People need to, to figure this out. You can't just tell us to use nothing. It's crazy. A very lucid and well-thought-out argument on Tyler Glasnow's part, no doubt about it. But as you mentioned, Michelle, there will still be rosin. There will still be, for people that are playing in day games, sunscreen. If Number number one, I'm not sure. He said, yeah, the re- I'm 6'7 and I throw 100. That's one of the reasons I got hurt. I would say that's probably the primary reason Pro- probably. that you, you tore the UCL, or at least partially tore the UCL. And by the way, just get the Tommy John. Don't bother trying to have it healed. Just get the Tommy John, Tyler. The <laughs> other part of this <laughs> is you were cheating. If you're using spider tack, if you're using the secret sauce that Bubba Harkins made, you're cheating. And baseball is enforcing a rule that's been on the books for decades and saying, okay, well, we don't want you to cheat anymore. Heading into the season, we talked a lot about or pondered about or wondered about what the impact of the truncated season would be on on players, specifically pitchers. And there was a lot of talk about rolling out pitchers in a certain manner to avoid injuries, et cetera, because these players really do have a very specific routine. The way they grip the ball is important. The way that they get ready for a season and the off season is important. The way they get ready for a start is important. And when all of that is disrupted, you're not going to get a maximum performance. And a lot of times you, you do risk an injury. If players have to adjust their body a certain way when they're throwing a hundred. Yeah. I would imagine that does make you a little bit more susceptible to an injury. And I'm with you. I think the fact that he's throwing 106.7 probably is far more likely the reason that he got injured. But I'm also with Tyler Glass now on the fact that in the middle of the season, because all of a sudden this is a big-time conversation and all of a sudden because Major League Baseball realizes that there's been no... Oh, hey, Dan. (laughs) What's going on? Danny Mack coming in the studio. You realize all of a sudden that you have a problem when it comes to production and you want to pull the ripcord, it just seems like these players are being put in a really tough position. There there is absolutely no doubt that pitchers that have had success and perhaps in large part because of the stickiness, it'll be interesting, for example, to watch Jacob deGrom tonight, who's having an historic season. How much is he going to be affected by this? We've already seen the effects for Garrett Cole and for Trevor Bauer. How are they going to be affected long-term by this? And some people are saying that 80% of all pitchers were using something beyond what was legal. I'm intrigued to see how it all works out for the rest of this season. And Tyler Glasnow's idea on one level makes sense, but and that is you shouldn't do it in the middle of the season. But since we have record low scoring and batting averages and offense, during the season, it might sound ridiculous, but 
it's something that they had to do. But if they already sent out a memo prior to the season starting, why weren't they enforcing this right. earlier? They should have been enforcing it earlier. Absolutely. It, and that, by the way, the preseason memo is why Joe West took Giovanni Gallegos' cap, right? Yeah. But it just seems like, once again, baseball is scrambling to react. And the pitchers reacting, and Adam Wainwright mentioned this to us earlier. Tyler Glasnow echoes his thoughts about the different balls that baseball uses. I'm not about to go out there and get, like, that's they said you can't use anything. So I'm like, all right, I guess I just have to follow the rules. Like, if you're going to tell me I'm not going to go out there and just do it. I'm going to use nothing if that's what you want for me. And if this whole new memo is going out, like, Sunscreen and rosin is apparently the same as spider tack. Like, all right, I guess I'll just adapt and I'll learn. And the only thing I learned is that it hurts to throw a ball in the middle of a season from having something to not having something. And it's not this, like, it's, I think there is a fine line between guys using stuff spider tack to make their ball spin more or like doing something to get a grip. I've never been a dude to use it to get my stuff to be better. I struck out 11 of the best, some of the best hitters in the big, I think the, the nationals was probably the best offense I faced all year. And that was probably in my opinion, my best start. And I had nothing on my hand. So like, it's just, I get, you don't want guys to go out there and just use crazy stuff and spin stuff that it just is unfair, but like, you can't, these balls are way too inconsistent. They've changed them the past five years. Like you go to an away place, like the first inning, you all get some balls that have grip on them. And then, I, a foul ball, it's a one-two count, and they throw another ball in, and it's just full of chalk. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do. I'm trying to find sweat in places, and it's just they're too inconsistent. Just try to get a pre-tack ball or get something that is consistent. That's all we need. And they use pre-tack balls in Korea and in Japan. Makes sense. There should be consistency among the baseballs. I will give the pitchers that. It's actually kind of outrageous that there isn't yeah. when you think about it. And like it. Adam said, can you imagine – having a different football for Aaron Rodgers to throw to Devontae Adams and he overthrows him by five yards because the ball is lighter. Yeah, you can't imagine that in the NFL. You can only imagine like a little squeezer for a New England game. And that's each each player adjusting it accordingly, yeah. not no, the league exactly. adjusting it. <laughs> so there will be adjustments. This will be fun to watch. It'll be, well, it'll be interesting to watch. I don't know if it'll be fun to watch because if more pitchers get hurt because of this, then you've got a real problem. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that's today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, players the Cardinals had but gave up on but are killing it for other teams. Power rankings 3.0 next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Players the Cardinals had. And he is staying. Oh, my goodness. But gave up on. But are killing it for other teams. Power Rankings 3.0. All right, Michelle, some guys are still killing it, but not all of them but we do have our list because this is something that we do every week and we'll start with number 10 randy he was a breakout player in the month of may but he's cooled a little bit coming in at number 10 it's adolis garcia he's six for his last 23 zero home runs three rbi still hitting 275 overall in the season with a 770 ops 13 home runs by the way pretty impressive number nine all right, let's go out to L.A. where Joe Kelly has been performing well through three and third innings in relief. He did win a game. He was 1-0 and didn't allow a run. He uh, has been very, very good lately for the Dodgers. His overall numbers, not as impressive. But Joe Kelly, uh, this year with a 2-0 a record but a 5.40 ERA, he is our number nine. Number eight. 
Number eight, Randy, it's your favorite, Randall Grichuk, who... Tuxedo t-shirt. Doesn't like to be called Randy. He's he's a Randall. <laughs> and by the way, I had said Adoles Garcia had 13 home runs. He's actually had 16. Randall Grichuk with 13. He had a three-hit game on Friday. He's five for 30 in the past week with a home run and an RBI. And as I mentioned, 13 home runs on the season, hitting 264. Very impressive. Number seven. All right, Michelle, let's go to uh, Donovan Solano. He is number seven. He is the San Francisco Giants second baseman playing second base and hitting many times in the middle of the lineup for the team with the best record in the National League. Solano on the year overall, 274 with a 698 OPS. He's at two homers and he has driven in 14. He hasn't been as hot lately. Over the course of the last week, he is 7 for 21. That's 333, not too bad. With an 820 OPS, no homers, and just a couple of RBIs. But Solano keeping it going there for the San Francisco Giants. Number six. This may be the most painful name on this list, Randy. The 29-year-old rookie in Chicago. Of course, we're talking about Patrick Wisdom, who had been red hot for the Cubs over the past week. Four for 17 with a home run this season. He has hit nine home runs, 13 RBI a day ago. He and Anthony Rizzo going back to back. His run with the Cubs was very improbable, but here he is, another former Cardinal thriving and for the Cubs. Painful. Yeah, not great. Number five. Michelle, we've talked a couple of times today about how abysmal the Arizona Diamondbacks are. A record of 20 and 48, 21 consecutive road losses. But it's not the fault of Carson Kelly, the former Cardinal catcher. Six for 22 on the week, a homer and three RBIs. On the season, Michelle hitting 371 with a 391 on base. 271 with a 391 on base, 479 slug. Carson Kelly has an 890 OPS with eight homers and 22 RBIs. He's a legit number five here. Number four. Number four, Randy, let's head to San Diego. We're talking about Tommy Pham, nine for 23 over the past week with a home run and two RBI. And do you remember the in the offseason when Tommy Pham got stabbed again? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this, but fans are taunting him now about getting stabbed oh, back no. in October. And he says he needs to talk to Major League Baseball about this because he's sick of hearing fans talk about him getting stabbed. So he's thriving even despite the taunting from the fans. Stop. Stabbing Tommy Pham. Stop stabbing Tommy Pham. He has five home runs and 21 RBI so far this season. Number three. All right, the unforgettable Randy Arozarena, Michelle. Over the course of the week, he had eight hits and 21 at-bats, a couple of homers, eight RBIs. He keeps on rolling, hitting 264, 343 on base, a 427 slug, a 770 OPS. And Michelle, nine homers and 35 runs batted in for Tampa. He just does not stop. Number two. Number two, Randy, the guy we are going to see today face off against the Cardinals. Sandy Alcantara, over the past week, he is 1-0 and with a 3 ERA. He's been great for the Marlins this season since he revamped that changeup. He's got great stuff, and I'm hoping that the Cardinals can pull out a win against him today, but I don't know. He's number two on this list. He's been performing really well. The Cardinals gave up Sandy Alcantara as part of the deal to get Marcel Ozuna and to get their new third baseman, Nolan Arenado. The Cardinals gave up our number one for the week. Austin Gomber, 2-0 with a 0.69 ERA on the week. 13 innings pitched. Michelle, he allowed eight hits and just one earned run. Nine strikeouts, and the former Cardinal had zero walks. 
He's six and five with a 3.54 ERA on the season. You'd, you certainly you rather have Nolan Arenado than Austin Gomber. Sure, but he is our number one for the week. If you could choose any name on this list to put back on the Cardinals today, who are you picking? Gomber. Yeah. I might go with Sandy Alcantara, Adam Wainwright's favorite guy to watch pitch. Sandy Alcantara probably has a better future, but Austin Gomber is pitching great right now. And we don't want to dismiss what the outfielders have done, but at least now you're getting good work out of both Carlson and Tyler O'Neill, and you're going to get Harrison Bader back. So for the rest of 2021, Gomber and Alcantara, I think, are the obvious two. And Alcantara has better stuff, but Gomby is left-handed. Gomby, damn it. <laughs> that's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that's players the Cardinals have but gave up on but are killing it for other teams. Power rankings 3.0. Stop ta- taunting Tommy Pham about getting stabbed, okay? You know, he would not get taunted, Michelle, if he didn't get stabbed. He was enjoying a night out, Randy, in the wee hours, watching some ladies dance and... Probably at a club that had a little alcohol. There was an altercation in the parking lot. It's not like he was asking to get stabbed, Randy. Sometimes things happen in the wee hours. I would say that he may have been spinning the wheel of misfortune here. Oh, and remind me again, what three is three requirements, right? Three out of the five requirements of after midnight. Okay, check. Women. Check. Drugs and alcohol. Can't confirm that there's a check there. Uh guns or knives, weapons. Well, there was definitely a weapon involved. So did I already say uh, after midnight? After midnight, midnight, women, uh, drugs and alcohol, uh, guns and knives. (laughs) And uh, what are we leaving out here? Oh, fast cars. I think there was a car involved. I thought it might be a van. he, he, He was headed to his car. I don't think there was a, his car was involved in this. So he was was very close to being at three out of five on the wheel of misfortune. If anything, we should be celebrating Tommy Pham being a multiple survivor of of stabbings multiple times. Got stabbed. Yeah, we should. You're right. And we will. He's been stabbed multiple times and he's playing professional baseball and he is playing well. America, stop stabbing Tommy Pham. Is that too much to ask? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. And as you heard the young voice say, it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. How do you determine that that's a young voice? Because it's a kid. (laughs) But it's a deep and powerful voice. It is. Yeah. So it sounds like a man, not a kid. Kind of like uh, Big Al. <laughs> yeah. Then I hit dingers. But if you didn't see what Big Al looked like, if you just heard his voice, you would think that he was playing in a beer league and he's 45. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess it's just the visual that I know. <laughs> Either way, I appreciate it. You know what else I appreciate, Randy? That we have the BLIS, the best listeners in sports. Oh, we do. Absolutely. So... Several rounds have gone by of Market Madness, which is the tournament that Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, their show on The Mothership, is doing. And basically what it is is they're trying to determine who is the biggest star in America. So each major market identified their biggest star. They put together a bracket and 
just like any other bracket, they've been going round by round, and we have been calling on our listeners to support Yachty or Molina. And every single time, they have delivered for Yachty. Mm -hmm. So much so, Randy, that Yachty is in the championship round right now. He's in the championship round of this this tournament, this Market Madness tournament. He's going against Baker Mayfield. And by the way, he's already beaten Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. LeBron James has lost in this. He beat Giannis. So we're talking about the most popular athlete or sports person in his market in America. And it's going to be Yachty against Baker. And one of these two, Randy, has won championships. And one of these two is a guaranteed Hall of Famer. Seems like an easy choice to me. Yeah, it really does. One guy feels dangerous. One guy has neck tats and is dangerous. That's true. So I would venture to guess that our guy is the guy. One of these two has had a career who's spanned across multiple decades. The other has not. That's exactly right. There's no doubt that Yadier Molina, in our market is the most popular sports person in America. So what you need to do, I have just retweeted this, I'm sure, at M. Smallman. I'm going to put it on my Twitter at M. Smallman, on my Instagram at M. Smallman. That's M-O-N. Randy, I'm sure, is going to share it at Randy Carricker, right? I will do it right now. Okay, great. And I'm sure at 101 ESPN. So if you follow any of us, take the 15 seconds to vote for Yachty or Molina because a vote for Yachty is a vote for St. Louis. And he deserves it. He deserves our support. And hopefully we can get the Cardinals to retweet this. We should, and we'll, we'll tweet it to Adam Wainwright, all of the above, mm-hmm. because Yachty's in a championship. And when Chris Bryant calls St. Louis boring, who is the first person to jump on Instagram and ride for STL? It's it Yachty, Yachty or Yachty Molina. Molina. It's Yachty or Molina. So when he is in a position where we can exalt him on a national level and it only takes about 15 seconds of your time, go ahead and hit the vote button. And, Vote for Yachty. Oh, by the way, Michelle was the person that put Yachty on that St. Louis pedestal. So you deserve credit for getting all of this started. Well, thank you. But it was easy. I I had a lot of great choices to choose from as far as stars in this town. Adam Wainwright, certainly in the mix. Nolan Arenado, Ryan O'Reilly, Jordan Bennington. But no one quite captures the love for St. Louis combined with the legacy and the performance on the field, the longevity like Yaddy or Molina does. Absolutely. It was an easy choice for me. Good job. Thank you. Chilling me, Smalls. So some breaking news, Randy, twofold out of the NBA. Chris Paul has entered the NBA's health and safety protocol. He's out indefinitely. This jeopardizes his availability for the Western Conference Finals. So if the Suns weren't already rooting really hard for the Utah Clippers series to go seven, they really are now because... They want him to be back for as much basketball as is possible. I wonder how that happens. I mean, especially at playoff time, teams generally don't get outside of their their cocoon in any sport once you're in the playoffs. So I, I wonder what happened to, to cause him to to contract or at least be placed in the protocol. I don't know, but you are being exposed to far more people than you ever have with arenas being you know much more crowded than they used to be you're having more people that you're coming into contact with day to day masks have been not required in a lot of places Mm -hmm. so you're just getting exposed in a lot of different ways before we ever had a pandemic back in 2010 all the way through the decade after their first stanley cup the chicago blackhawks you know how their fans are they follow them everywhere and they're incessant in a good way Well, not a really good way. But anyway, their fans are everywhere. 
And so what the Blackhawks did was in their hotels, they would rent out a ballroom and they put in video games and couches and big screen TVs and a bar and have all kinds of different food available. And they would tell their players, look, if if you don't want to go out and be bombarded by Blackhawks fans, we've got this room that's only for you guys. And this is your entertainment. It's a great bonding experience for you players to stay together. And invariably, every single player would show up there and they wouldn't go out. And this was in every city they went to during the playoffs. I would think that that's the way the NBA operates, especially because you have so many guys that are so recognizable because they're 6'8", 6'9", 7 feet tall. If I were the NBA, it's not a bubble, really. I I would set that up for my players. And we don't know the circumstances surrounding this. So it's A lot of it's still super vague, but we were just on the phone with Adam Wainwright, who was through the Starbucks drive-thru. Yep, good point. And somebody there touched cups that passed to him, and you don't know how that person is feeling. He might not have had a mask on. It's, it's just a lot of contact with people when we're still freshly emerging from this pandemic that you're, you're not used to if you're a player. Right. And, hey, you are two degrees of separation away from a Kardashian. And they get around, you know. Randy. What? <laughs> You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, so more NBA news. Kawhi Leonard is expected, because we'll go off at a tangent here, though. We don't need to. We're running out of time. Kawhi Leonard, big news again out of the NBA, is expected to miss game five with a right knee injury. He tweaked his knee late in game four. He could be out for the remainder of the series, which is huge because the Clippers and the Jazz tied at two apiece. That would be devastating for... The Clippers, obviously, he's their best player. Seems like it's a war of attrition now. When you look at Harden, when you look at Kyrie, when you look at Murray for Denver, when you look at Mitchell, now you're looking at Kawhi and Chris Paul. Is that what it's becoming? Is the, are the NBA LeBron AD? Yeah, AD, yep. Is this oh? NBA playoff season, a war of attrition, basically? It is. It's survival of the fittest, basically. it's um, Injuries are playing the most critical component in these playoffs. They are. And I wonder, is, um, is Mitchell going to be okay? I, I wasn't sure. He left the other night. I don't even know if he came back, but... That, that would be a huge blow, obviously, to Utah, too. I, I think... I, I still think even, well, it's hard to say. The Clippers with Paul George as their front man are still pretty good. I, I don't know if they're better than Utah or not. We'll find out. Yeah. So losing Kawhi, I mean, is it, this is a guy that carried a team to a championship. Literally. So it's hard to, you, you would think that it's going to be hard to win without him. You would think so. You're killing me, Smalls. And finally, Randy, some drama coming out of Chicago. Bears fans very excited about the selection of Justin Fields during this season's NFL draft. But their head coach, Matt Nagy, says temper that excitement. There is no chance that he is going to be the week one starter. He was talking with Chris Collinsworth on his podcast, and uh, Collinsworth asked Matt Nagy, point blank, is there any scenario in which Andy Dalton is not 100% the week one starter? And he said no. Andy is our starter. Again, I can't predict anything you know how it goes there's so many things that can happen between today and that week one but andy is our starter justin's our number two and we're going to stick to that plan you made a commitment to a free agent when you signed him that he was going to be your opening day starter if you break a promise to a free agent that you sign 
that probably doesn't bode well for future free agent negotiations when you want to bring another guy in. They didn't guarantee that Andy Dalton would start the second half of the opener. So I'm looking at this as semantics. This is a situation where the Bears made a promise. He, He voiced it. They voiced it that Dalton was going to be the starter. Yes, he'll start the opener, but... If he doesn't perform well in the first half of the opener, I won't be at all surprised to see Fields under center for the Bears. I think it also takes a lot of pressure off Justin Fields to be the guy from day one, snap one, game one, and come in and be the savior and be the hero. If everybody already has the expectation that Andy Dalton is going to be the guy, even if it angers fans and they're wondering why Matt Nagy painted himself into this corner, it gives Justin Fields a time to get acclimated and hopefully get ready for when he does get the call. And a good coach, and you don't have a ton of snaps, and you only have three preseason games, don't have a ton of snaps in the preseason, but a good coach is going to make sure that Fields does have the opportunity to work with the ones. And if he doesn't get any snaps with the ones during the week leading up to the week one game, it's really irresponsible to put him into the game at halftime if he if he hasn't worked with the ones during the week. If they want to start him in week two, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I always hate it when a rookie quarterback has to take over at halftime and hasn't spent any time practicing with the guys that he's on the field with. Yeah, it's pretty unfair. Yeah. Also, I wanted to give you a quick update. When we started this segment, Baker Mayfield was leading the poll 60 to 40. Mm-hmm. Since we talked about the poll, Yadier Molina has cut into his lead. Baker now leading 56% to 43. Right. So come on, BLIS. Vote Yachty. Michelle on Twitter at M Smallman. Also on the Insta at M Smallman. I am on Instagram as well at RJ Carricker. I'm on Twitter at Randy Carricker. You can follow us and make sure because we have put it up there on our social media. Uh, I'm on the Twitter one. Vote on the Twitter poll. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, and vote for Yadier Molina to be the biggest star in his town in America. The first comment under the poll is from someone that says Baker is going to win this in a landslide. Yeah, good luck, Cleveland. Good luck. I believe you're called the factory of sadness. There's for a, a reason. reason for that, yeah. That's right. Let's just add another log onto the sadness fire, okay? Come on, you had, you, your lake caught on fire. That happened a while ago, but it did happen, right? Yeah. So... They also just don't know the powers of the BFIB. BFIB and the BLIS, they're they're the best. When those two combine, no stopping them. No. Danny Mac is, uh, thank you, Michelle, by the way. You're welcome. That was a fantastic edition of your Killing Me Smalls. Danny Mac is getting ready to do the Cardinal game today. And so he has already gone downtown and recorded his show here. So Michelle and I are going to have this last segment to lead you up to the Danny Mac show featuring BK here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, is it okay if I put you on the spot? Of course. What's your favorite Brad, Brad Paisley song? I don't really have one, See? Randy. I love all of Brad Paisley's songs. There you songs. go. Mine Do is have... I'm going to miss her. Can you give us a little? And I'm going to miss her when I get home. That's a great yeah. rendition, Randy. You have Thank you. the voice of an angel. Thank it's like you. Fergie and Jesus combined. Hey, how would you like to win some Brad Paisley tickets? I would love to win Brad Paisley tickets, seeming as I'm such a big fan. But you aren't allowed. Oh, but you know well, what? That feels like a tease. Anybody that is listening right now can win Brad Paisley tickets. And 
All they have to do is text in 65780 over the course of uh, the next, oh, what, 13? Should we go 13 again? Why don't we switch it up? Why don't we make it number 50 today in honor of Adam Wainwright? 50, okay. 50 is the texter, and that way, if you're on the... If you're listening on the app, you have a better opportunity to win. And texter number 50 that has the Cardinal team nickname of their big three relievers, Cabrera, Gallegos, Reyes. What do the Cardinal players call the back end of the bullpen? And if you're texter number 50 with that correct answer, Adam Wainwright told us that at 8 o'clock. If you're texter number 50, then you will get tickets to... Brad Paisley, 101 ESPN, with your chance to win a free pair of lawn tickets to Brad Paisley. It's Friday night, July 30th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater with special guests Jimmy Allen and Cameron Marlowe. If you don't win this contest, find a bonus chance to win free tickets for Brad Paisley right now at 101ESPN.com and on your 101 mobile app. Can you imagine going to see that show? You're outside with your friends. You're singing whiskey lullaby at the top of your lungs. (laughs) When She's Everything comes on, you're having a great time. Love it. So just text in, what is the nickname for Cabrera Gallegos Reyes? And maybe he'll even sing, Nationwide, it's on your side. Maybe. Do you think Peyton Manning will be there? Maybe, because they've got the band. That's right. Right? Maybe. So, hey, we have Dunctionary Day. We're so excited about it. And for those of you that are coming out to join us, we thank you. And we'll have a fun afternoon. And we just got the ratings, Michelle. So we thank you also for being the biggest listenership for any talk show in St. Louis. Uh, The only stations ahead of us are right down our hallway, and they're both music stations. So if you're listening to talk radio in the morning, the one that you're probably listening to is Carriker and Smallman, and we can't thank you enough for being with us, and we couldn't do the show without you. So we really are appreciative of the the B-L-I-R, Best Listeners in Radio. B-L-I-R-A-S, Best Listeners in Radio and Sports. And Sports. Okay, good. (laughs) B-L-I-R-A-S. Yeah. The Blyers. Yeah. Rocky. <laughs> so, no, it, it's very cool. And it's fun working with you. It's fun working with them. Emily should take all the credit, right? Because since she came along, that's when the ratings started to skyrocket. Yeah, to the moon since Emily's joined the show. To the moon. Yeah. And hopefully not back. Speaking of to the moon, I need to check my SoFi investments. What are we, do, what are we doing with AMC these days? I invested in that when uh-huh. it was cool and I hung on to it and then it had a big surge and I forgot to take the money out. And so now we're on the ride. And movies are back. Movies so are back. That's a but good thing. AMC down. Oh, no. Yeah, we're, we're down. But uh, it's gra- okay. They're going si- <laughs> to surge back up, Randy. Don't worry. Great job today by our producer, engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. Michelle, this has been fun again. And Wayno is always Instant offense. He was great. He is great. Highlight of the week. And this is a quick goodbye, Randy, because I'll see you at the ballpark. That's right. It'll be fun. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Danny Mack coming up. He'll join us tomorrow morning from 7 to 10, as we hope to see you. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. 
No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.